Welcome to the Character Combine Podcast. I'm Josh Takimoto, and today Deb is not with us. She's still, let me take that back. She's still alive. She's still <laughs> with us. That sounded like she was like, it no, did. like something happened to her. <laughs> yeah, exactly. She, she, uh, I wanted to joke, like she finally quit over after 120 episodes. She's like, I'm, I really did quit this time. Um, but she's just out. So today we have a very special co-host, uh, one of our favorites, one of your favorites, we know because of all the downloads that she gets on her episodes, uh, mental performance coach and speaker, Lauren Nicole Johnson. What's going on? Hey, how's it going? I'm so excited. I am sad Deb isn't here, but I'm I not. am excited no. to <laughs> fill in for, <laughs> for her for this one episode. Yeah, I, no, we're, we're super thankful that you were willing to do it. And uh, I'm going to be honest with you, and I think our audience knows this. I think secretly, I think Deb and I both like when the other person can't do an episode because it just gives us an opportunity to like talk trash with no defense. You know what I mean? It's okay. awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So at I the mean, end of this podcast, you have to let me know if you enjoy this podcast, like with just me or with, you know, with the other, with the other hosts, whatever. With the other. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. We miss Deb. And, uh, but selfishly, I'm glad that we're having this conversation because now I can ask all my questions and, um, I'm going to try my best to, it's going to be tough. I'm, I told you before we started recording, which by the way, I just want to point out how awesome Lauren is. This was very last minute and she was still willing to help us out because this was kind of an emergency situation where our guests that we were supposed to have, you know, bailed on us last minute. Um, please, any other future guests, don't do that to me because it, it drives me crazy. <laughs> don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that to Lauren either. If, if, if she ever <laughs> starts a podcast. Have you thought about starting a podcast? Um, maybe. Uh-oh. All right. We should, I know. <laughs> okay, perfect. I can't say much, but I'll just say maybe. <laughs> perfect. I know that there's a huge part of our audience that's super excited about that, and I probably should have asked you the question that we always ask you beforehand, which is, "What should I not ask you?" Of course, I didn't no, ask okay. it before. Time. Can, oh, perfect. I'm just not gonna. I'm just not gonna expand. I should say. All, sh- all I should say is, stay tuned. Stay tuned. Perfect. Um, people, I think people are going to be really excited about that. I've actually had people talk to me, um, where they say they listen to the podcast and then they'll say something like, Hey, you know, who's really, really good that I follow on Instagram is Lauren Johnson. Do you, have you heard of her? It's like, have we heard of her? Please. We're like best friends, <laughs> dude. Come on. <laughs> we post and everything. Yeah. What are you talking about? But that's happened a couple of times, really. They're like, Hey, have you heard of her? I'm like, yeah, we've had her on the podcast. And, the, and they think it's like, I feel like I had like Michael Jordan on the podcast. They're like, you know why you had her on the podcast. They yeah, get so excited. Yeah. yeah. That, I, that's like, you, you need better podcast guests than if I'm your Michael Jordan. <laughs> I was going to say, you should probably have better, better plans on a Wednesday night if you're cool with doing this podcast with us. So well, yeah. So anyway, so we're going to jump right into this. Um, there's going to probably be more nonsense along the way, but um, you know, today, today, you know, normally we would interview someone, but I'm treating you like a co-host today, but much nicer than I would treat Deb. And so today we're going to talk about risk taking <laughs> because, um, well, I mean, the really, really the reason it came to my mind was because of all of the changes that are going on in your life. I mean, the last two times you were on this show, I introduced you as the New York Yankees mental conditioning coach. I didn't do that this time. And that's not by accident. It's because you've had a, sh- a shift in career. So you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, sure. Yeah. The- so earlier, you know, this year, or sorry, not this year, last year in 2020, um, you know, during in the middle of spring training, you know, everything shut down with COVID. And um, it was the first time I kind of got a chance to like sit back and think. And I, that's when I started to think, you know, explore this idea of what would it look like if I wasn't with the Yankees anymore. And so um, my biggest reason for choosing not to continue with them in the 2021 season is because I'm really, I'm, I really want more growth. Mm. I'm seeking more growth. And we have a rock star roster at the Yankees, like my director, my associate director, and like everybody, you know, in between is just incredible. So I knew that in terms of moving up in position, that wasn't going to be an option with the Yankees. So that's kind of why I was like, you know what, I'm going to take this leap of faith and I'm going to, you know, bet on myself 
And so that's what I did. And here I am now. And I have my own company, laurenjohnsonandco.com. You can go there and check it out. Um, but then also I, you know, I'm, I just love the work that I do, and, but I just wanted to take it to that next level. And I think we've all been in that position where we can feel that a change needs to be made. And I ignored this feeling, I should tell you, for a while because I was like, no, like I was comfortable. I loved my job at the Yankees. And I, I still like, I still will look back and those are some of the best years, you know, of my career. Sure. But I like her, I kind of like, you know, I knew that voice and I was like, hey, this is probably the next step. And I ignored it for a little bit because I didn't want to, I didn't want to like face the reality of what that was going to look like. That's interesting. Now I'm going to be honest with you. Like I'm, a, I've told you this before, I'm a huge baseball fan. And so yeah. um, my, I guess my first question, I want to kind of touch on a couple of things that you just mentioned, but my first question is definitely with the Yankees, like the player, the roster of players you guys have, the way that team's constructed and with how close they were last year and like the last couple of years, like did that play a part too, where it's like, I would love to get, be a part of this and get that ring. Did like that ever cross your mind? Oh. Definitely. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. And I think because the, the coolest part too is towards like my last few years with the Yankees, you know, when you, when I started out, you know, I started out with some of like, um, you know, our younger players in the minor leagues. And so for the last four years, I've gotten to see their transition all the way up in our system. Yeah. A couple of guys have a really good chance of making the team this year. A couple of guys actually got to, you know, got to like pitch and they got to play and they got pulled up to the, to the big leagues last year, even in the, the, the shortened season. And so I think that part of that too, it's, it's not necessarily for like, for me to like, of course, would it be awesome to get a ring? Like, hell yeah, I'd be lying if I said like that wouldn't be amazing. However, I think the cooler part is being able to witness and watch the growth of the guys you've seen from the very beginning, Mm -hmm. watching, watching them accomplish their dream. I mean, there's nothing cooler than that because in terms of risk-taking, like we've talked about. I mean, you look at professional athletes, I see it a lot with whether it's my husband, who's a professional golfer or, you know, any uh, minor leaguers I'm working with people tell them all the time. And I kid you not, they'll say, so how long are you going to try this? Mm. Like when when are you going to give it up and get a real job? And to me, that's complete just BS because you can say it's all good. (laughs) Bullshit. Yeah. like for my husband, like hopefully never, hopefully this is his job forever. Like for those guys, hopefully forever. And just because it's not the norm, doesn't mean, you know, it's, excuse me, the wrong choice by any means. So anyway, I, in terms of risk-taking, like it's not often the common path. It's not often the popular choice, but Mm. to me, it's so worth it on the other side, because when those guys make it to the big leagues, those guys have earned every dime that they've made. They, they have grinded it out for years to get to that position. So we have to look at the end, but we're, we failed to, we don't really see the behind the scenes. And I think that's the favorite part, my favorite part. Yeah, for sure. And you know, something I was going to, something you just, I was going to say this for later, but you kind of brought it up by mentioning your husband. Um, you know, so I heard somebody say one time that, you know, if say you're, you're, say you're a basketball player, right. And you're taking that last, you know, taking that last shot of the game, right. The game winning shot something that frees you up as an athlete is the knowing that your teammates have your back win or lose. If you make the shot or if you miss the shot. And so it allows you the freedom to take that risk because you're not thinking about, Oh, what if, what if, what if I made the wrong decision or what if they think this, or what if they say that you're just being able to be present in the moment and you're focused solely on that shot. And I'm wondering if it's the same for, for you. So when you're at this point where you're thinking, okay, I want more growth. And so I need to leave the Yankees to do that. If you have a husband who is super supportive or a a bunch of friends and family that are super supportive, like how much did that help as far as making, I mean, ultimately the decision is yours, um, but like how much is, how much, how much of a benefit is that to have people around you knowing that no matter what I do, they're going to have my back no matter what. And it makes that risk a little bit easier, I would think. Oh, it's huge. I mean, I think, I think it makes all the difference because I've also known people that don't have that support Yeah, what that looks like. And one of the things that my husband and I've always said to each other is that we never want to regret, like we never want to, we don't want to leave this earth and say, what if I would have done that? We want to go all in. And then at the same time, I always think of it, I kind of, I don't know, forecast the future. And I think about how I'd want my, how I'd want to model this for my children. I'm like, I want my kids to know that they can take risks, that it's going to be okay. Even if they fail, I would rather 
like, for instance, this is a conversation my husband and I have had. He, you know, there's, it's so much easy. It, it's easy to look at your friends that are making, you know, they have salaries, they have consistent paychecks. And you're just like, oh my God, that looks so nice. <laughs> yeah. You know, sometimes you don't even know where your next paycheck's coming from being a professional athlete. Right. Um, especially in golf, because you have to win. Right. Um, and that I, I always say, I would so much rather have no, like put it all on the line and lose it than never put it on the line at all. Yeah. 100%. I would rather put it all because I'm like, I, I have so much confidence that we can rebuild. And mm, so there's yeah. a, a really great analogy I heard. I think it was actually Justin Sue that said it. Oh, he's awesome. it a bird lands on a branch, not because of its trust in the branch or its confidence in the branch, but in its confidence and its ability to fly. Sometimes you're going to land on that branch and it's going to be sturdy enough. Sometimes it's not, it's going to break. Yeah. And so for me, I have a lot of confidence in our ability to fly. And um, so for me, I'm like, go all in, let's do this. Like, let's, let's do it. Cause for me, I want my kids to go all in. I don't want my kids to be, it's not that you won't be afraid. Fear is going to be present most of the time. Right. But I want them to take those risks and I want them to know that like, Hey, where you, you might fail, but I'll help. I'm going to help you like pick you up. And how can I say that if I'm not modeling that? So even though we don't have kids, that's how I like to even model my own behavior. And he likes to model his behavior even currently. Yeah, that's, that's really good. Yeah. Well, and I I think, I feel like my wife and I are going through that right now as far as, um, because we have a a two-year-old daughter. And so, um, yeah, it's like, even with this podcast, it's like, I could, you know, not do the podcast and we're not, we're not making any money. If anybody wants to sponsor this, that'd be fantastic, <laughs> but, um, we're not making any money doing this, but it's like, yeah, I would love for her to look at the stuff that I'm doing here and watching me pursue something that I'm passionate about. Because like you said, when you see, I, I saw someone post this the other day, like you have your, the actions give value to your words, right? So you can say all you want, but if you're not living it, then your words are kind of meaningless and your words have no power behind them because it's, they're just words. But if they see you living it out, like you said, that's, I mean, that's the best thing you can do. And then it will give them even more confidence. Like you said, pursuing their own passions and, and dreams and things like that. Cause they've actually seen it tangibly in front of them and not just one, one time, like that's just how you live, right? Like you have that mentality and that mindset to just, Hey, like you said, we're going all in all the time for whatever it may be. And if they see that, that's going to, that's going to stick for sure. Um, I also want to point out, you brought up Justin Sua and I love the stuff he posts, but he did post one the other day, maybe it was a couple months ago that had to do with math and I couldn't figure out the math problem. I'm horrible at math. I'm like, Oh man, Justin, just stick to the words, dude. I can't, I can't do the math. (laughs) Stick to the words, dude. I read that and I sat down like, I know there's a trick to this, but I can't figure it out. And my sister's a math teacher and I'm like, I know she probably got this right away. But uh, no, I love, I love, th- thank you again for uh, recommending Justin to us. Cause I think the very first time you were on our podcast, you recommended him just the nicest guy. Um, oh, he's amazing. He's amazing. Yeah. I met him actually, uh, I met him back in 2013 when I entered at IMG Academy. Right. He was uh, the director there and he was kind of my mentor and like took me under his wing. And honestly, since then, I mean, he's still, I still call him for a lot of things and, you know, we're friends now too, but uh, but yeah, he's, he's just incredible. He's helped so many people in our field. Oh, for sure. And I feel, again, he's another one that people mention all the time. They're like, Hey, we really enjoyed that. And I know people have used both your podcast and, um, his podcast and shared it with like their teams and their class. They've also, they've also shared the other podcasts you guys have done. Cause they're a little bit more professional than ours. And they're like, yeah, this was a little shorter, probably a little <laughs> bit more, uh, succinct without all the sidetracks and rabbit trails, but, um, no, that's awesome. That's, um, well, it's really cool that, that you're doing that. And it's cool that you have the support system around you to do that. Cause well, like you said, I, I think we all know people that don't have that. Right. And then there's this, whether it's, whether it's a, a marriage or a friendship, people that are close with each other, one person wants to go all in, or maybe it's thinking about going all in, but the, the support's not there and it causes them to second guess themselves. Right. Mm-hmm. They're like, Oh, maybe I shouldn't do that because maybe they're putting more value on the voice of the other person rather than the voices inside them. So, um, I don't know. What do you, what do you think about that? Like when you have a, when it's not like you and your husband seem like, well, especially with the careers you guys have, right? Like it probably goes both ways for both you guys, because you have to kind of go in for both of those professions, but for the people that don't have that situation, like, like what is, what is going on there? It's kind of a big question, but. Um, So I, I just think that for people, I think that the, where that lies is your needs, right? 
there's like some people that have the need, like they need to have consistency. They desire consistency in their lives. And so for them that up and down, not knowing where the next paycheck is coming from all of that, like that is just not what they want. And so for me, I'm, I'm totally okay with that. I would risk them in a different way. So there's different ways to risk. I mean, we are clearly risking in our, like in our career, you sure. know, you don't always have to do that. I think that when it comes to, so whatever your risk is that it may differ because the needs are a little bit different, um, in that regard, but, um, it, I don't know. I'm, I guess I'm just so lucky because I don't have that. Um, and I've always with my parents, I've always had that support, but that's why I think it's really important to always audit your circle because, um, in terms of habits, James clear talks about this in his book, atomic habits. He says that one of the easiest ways to adopt a new habit is to be, hang out with a group of people that have already adopted that habit. Like that Mm -hmm. is their every day. That is their that is their normal environment. That is something they, they do already on a daily basis. Um, and when you do that, the, the more you're surround, the more your environment supports your habits, the more your environment supports maybe the risk you're taking, mm-hmm. um, the more likely you are to do it. And the more likely you are to, again, feel supported by it and sure. um, take that risk and have more confidence to do it. So I would say that too, like that's, that's another reason why it's so important to audit your environment. And that's why they say you're the average of the five people you are closest with Yeah. because, because your, your environment is kind of like that invisible hand that like shapes you in a, in a way and your environment supports your habits. So if you don't have the habits you want, my question would be, does your environment support it? Or if you're struggling to adopt a habit, does your environment support it? And not just um, you know, your immediate environment, but even like your friend circle and like people, what content are you consuming? What people are you choosing to be around? Um, and there's a, like a great analogy I heard, and it's about like a fountain in a drain and you can apply it to so many different things, but you know, what are the fountains in your lives? Like, who are those people that are like supportive? They're yeah. so excited for you to take their, like, I got you, I got your back. Let's go. The second you win, you're on the phone calling them. And then who are the drains that are kind of like draining you? Like when they call, you're like, you're like eye rolling at your phone. You're like, oh, <laughs> do I have to answer this? And you know, you yeah. dread getting on the phone with them and you leave yeah. like exhausted. Right. And so that's like another thing to think about is auditing, like who you spend your time with. Right. Sure. Yeah, for sure. It's funny you say that. Cause we, uh, we started another podcast, Deb and I connectable podcast, check it out. But we um, posted something recently. And I think the quote was, sometimes your circle has to decrease for the value to increase. And it's, it's so true. Everything you're saying, because I think, you know, you would think if you have a ton of people around you that, you know, that would be a great thing, but sometimes it's just, cause I mean, I guess it, like you said, if the if the drains outweigh the fountains, then you're not going to get anything out of it. And it's just going to be, uh, it's going to be a pretty toxic situation. Um, yeah. But I, I wonder too, if, are there some people that, cause obviously you want to, you want to have a great support system around you, but then, on the flip side of that, are there some people that are unwilling to take risks because they need the approval of other people? Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's like, well, if, if everybody says it's good, then maybe I'll do it. But if people are questioning it and then, cause like I said, ultimately it comes down to your choice, right? Like it's, it's your life and you have to make the decision. You're, you're the one that has to put the work in. Are there some people that are maybe too reliant on that circle? You know what I mean? Like maybe it's a bunch of fountains, but it's like, they, they put too much value and they don't jump unless those people like give them the okay. Oh my gosh. Yes. Um, this is like the people like when you're like, Hey, what do you want to eat? Have for dinner? Yeah. Like, where do you want to go for dinner? And like, they cannot <laughs> tell you where, what they want for dinner. Like, Oh, well, what sounds good? Oh, anything. And then you're like, all right, well, what about Chipotle? And they're like, ah, uh, no. And you're oh, like, Oh, that's the worst. <laughs> that's you know the what worst. I'm talking about, right? The yeah. worst. Yeah. Um, and you know, they can't make up their mind and that comes right. down to me. It has more to do with pleasing. And like you said, fitting in than it sure. does taking the risk. It has to do with what is this, what is the repercussion of me doing this in terms of how will I be viewed? How would I be looked at in this person's eyes? To me, I mean, it's your opinion of you is so much more powerful than anyone else's opinion of you. Yeah. And number one, you're never going to be able to change somebody else's opinion. You You have no control over that, but you have, you have all the power in the world to change your opinion of you. Number one. Number two is that Every time you rely on somebody else, you're giving up your control. Hmm. And so the problem is, is the second that person's not the second when you are reliant on somebody else, whether it's for a decision, whether it's motivation, that means that 
your life is fully dependent on somebody else. Yeah. Like your life, your decisions, your choices. And so if you want to create a life, you can't be dependent on somebody else. Mm -hmm. And it's not easy because I think it has to do with a lot of self-discovery because that's a bad habit. That's a survival mechanism, right? Probably happening for a lot of people that struggle with making decisions. It probably started when they were younger, where if they just went with what the group wanted, it somehow helps them to survive in that environment. So now it's like a habit. Like I survive when I'm feeling I'm like when I'm not feeling great about something, I have to double check in with these people. And then that makes me feel comfortable. But my question would be, what would make you feel comfortable with you? Not others opinions make you comfortable with you. That's what I would want to know. Yeah, that's really good. Well, I'm wondering, I'm wondering if, if there's some of that reliance that's happening right now with high school athletes, um, obviously they haven't been able to compete here in California and they've been locked down for quite a while. And you wonder, like I've, I've said for a little while now, it's going to be interesting once things open back up and they can get back on the, on the field or the court, because I think it's going to be very clear who's been putting the work in both mentally and physically during this time. And then who's kind of slacked off a little bit. And I'm wondering if the people who slack off are, are those athletes who are more reliant, like they need a coach there next to them, pushing them in order to get some stuff done or in order to, you know, say, okay, well, I need to get in the gym, but usually it's easy because the coach is there telling me, Hey, we have uh, lifting at this time of the day or these times during the week or Hey, practices from this time to this time. So they're just relying on that. And I'm wondering if that's something that you're going to see a lot of as sports start to coming back. And as these athletes, yeah, I always feel like there's gonna be something that are really sharp and it's gonna be obvious who's been putting the work in. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Cause I mean, then what we're getting down to is internal and external motivation, right? Sure. Right. Those that are internally motivated, you're going to, you're going to be able to see probably they put in more work, even when they didn't need to, they, you know, stuck with their process longer than maybe somebody else because external rewards, they're, they're, they're fine. There's nothing wrong. There's a place for them. Right. It's like, I'd like, we want to win a world. We wanted to win a world series trophy. I know the Yankees want to do it again this year. Uh, And so there's nothing wrong with that. But when that's the only thing, that you're working towards and there isn't something deeper than that. It's only external. There's nothing internal. I want you to think of it like an engine of a car. That'd be like having a Ferrari without an engine. Like, (laughs) you know, it's like you could have the nicest, most beautiful car in the world, but if you don't have that engine to help it move, you're not going to go very far. So that's why the internal, your internal motor, that internal motivation and kind of your why matters so much but yeah, I a hundred percent think we're going to see a separation of the two of people that put in the work and that were willing to, to do it. And the people that weren't. Yeah. Well, I imagine just, I had this thought as you were, as you were talking about that, I imagine the people who are more internally motivated are probably more comfortable with taking risks, right? Mm-hmm. Like, because they, they know it's, it's on them and they're, they're driven. Like you said, they have that why that, that drives them and that's always going to be there. Right. Or it should always be there. Maybe your why changes, but they always have, they're always driven by a why, you know, maybe not the same why. And so, you know, I imagine that that helps them, you know, when it comes to taking risks. So, oh, yeah. yeah, it's, um, I don't know. And risk, like, I want to clarify too, like when we say risk, we're talking about like decisions that, you know, where you could fail or, you know, we're not talking about like stupid risks where, you know, obviously drinking and driving is a dumb idea. Um, don't do that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's like stuff like that. Well, that's, that's actually, I don't think I talked to you about this. I know I asked Justin this before when he came on our podcast, but, um, and I've, I've alluded to this person. I'm just going to say this guy's name. So John, I've, I've tried not to, but I think people know who I'm talking about. So John Jones, right. The UFC fighter considered one of the greatest, maybe the greatest UFC fighter to ever do it. Um, incredible resume, also an incredible arrest record <laughs> for some of the stuff that he's, he's done. And I remember listening to a podcast. It was a, uh, an MMA podcast and they were talking about, they were trying to make this, this point of saying, Hey, do you think the reason why he's so great in the octagon is because he has, he lives this reckless lifestyle and there's this almost like this fearlessness or this almost like this blinder to risk where it's like, it's not even a question. He just risks it. If he wants to do cocaine and get in a car, he just does it because there's like not that filter there. And they were trying to make the point. They, you, they wonder if that was one of the reasons that makes him so great in the octagon. Now it sounds weird and it sounds kind of gross when you say it like that, but is there anything to that? Like if, if someone just makes risky, reckless decisions, does that translate to their sport? And is it the only way they can perform in their sport or is there a way to get past that? Yeah. Um, I don't think it's the only way they can perform their sport, but I think that the closest thing I can relate it to is like, uh, 
like soldiers that go to war because mm. what happens is you're, you're living in such a high level of stress all the time. It's like when they come back, they really struggle to uh, adjust back to being a civilian. Right. And because they have this threshold of discomfort, this threshold of stress that they're used to. And so what happens is a lot of times they have to try and they mimic that. That's why a lot of times in military occupations, they then like when they leave the military, they go into other high risk occupations because they, again, there's this baseline and they're trying to meet it, but they can't meet it being a normal civilian. So they, they're finding different ways to like meet that. And so I guess the closest thing I can relate it to is maybe that there's like such a high level of stress and there's this baseline of risk-taking to some degree um, that he's used to. And it's kind of like a drug. It's like you get a little bit and then like you need more and it's like not mm. enough and you need a little bit more. Right. And so um, like, I mean, if you think about, you know, there's all these different hormones in our brain that can be very addictive, right? And it's yeah. like that dopamine spike and like those kinds of things that our brain can become addicted to like alcohol and like other things that we need more of it. So sometimes I, I would, I would at least think that there could be some sort of parallel to a baseline that he's used to and now needing like more of that. And he's finding it in these other ways. And I wouldn't necessarily say that it's like, you know, I think you can translate that kind of way in a healthy way, sure. you know, in, you know, in other areas. Um, I just think that that, that would take probably, especially if, you're getting into a lot of trouble or you're struggling in some way, whether it's like, you know, in military PTSD, it's, there's healthy ways to do it, but it's, you have to start by kind of understanding how it's manifesting itself. Right. Right. That makes a lot of sense. And I, I've always thought that too. It's like, I've heard some people say, well, maybe he needs to be doing reckless things in order to succeed in the ring. It's like, I feel like that's, that seems like a cop out. You know what I'm saying? Like that seems like something that could be avoidable, especially for someone who's at the top of the game. You know, it's just an excuse for poor behavior. Right, right. And I think, I mean, maybe it's just, I'm sure if you're a fan of something or someone, you're probably more likely to make those excuses. Like, well, he, of course he needed, you know, he needed to do it. It's like, not, not really. <laughs> I mean, I know other, plenty of other people that, you know, do, you know, do just fine in their profession and they're yeah. not making dumb decisions. But, um, you know, I thought it was just an interesting, I thought it was an interesting, you know, idea. And I thought I would bring it to the, to the pro. That's why I ask all of you guys. Because okay, the other thing I want to say really quick is the fact that there's, there's a time and a place, right? So there's good skills. And I've talked about this before that like any skill to, like can be taken out of context and in, a, it, in one area of your life where it works, it could not work in another area. And so, you know what I mean? Like, so if you have like the skill of, I don't know, like, I, I can't even think of anything. So, okay. So maybe it is risk-taking. Sure. That is so dang good in the octagon. Right. Like you want that there, right. but you also have to then audit those behaviors when you're in normal life. They don't always translate to different areas. And so I think the important part is like there's discipline required in that. Right. So yeah, is he dang good? Absolutely. I would question what about his discipline in handling those sort of risk-taking moments? And because to me, there's an emotional response that maybe, and that this is just me speculating based on, you know, what you've told me, but sure. like an emotional response that most of us jump to, but to actually stop and kind of assess the situation and make a, I don't know, a, a very uh, well thought through rational decision that right. takes discipline. A lot of times it's sure. easy to fall back on that default of emotion and, you know, wanting to like jump right at that, but can you have the discipline to know when to exert that and when to rein it in? Right. Yeah. No, I think that makes a lot of sense. I mean, well, imagine if, if like NASCAR drivers drove like that all the time, can you imagine? It's like, I, sorry, sorry, man, I can't turn it off. I have to drive 200 miles an hour. It's like, what? It makes no sense. Like there yeah. should be that separation, but yeah. I mean, and maybe it's just a deeper thing that's going on with them. You know what I mean? I that. couldn't agree more. It, it very well could be. And it's for those kind of behaviors too, those like kind of reckless behaviors, that would be a, a, an initial question I would want to ask because there could be something more going on that's causing that. Sure. Sure. Um, sorry. Like, as you know, I have this random thoughts pop in my head. I don't, no, know, I don't think I've asked this before. Okay. So you've mentioned your, your husband's a professional golf, golfer. Okay. So considering what you do and the, 
I don't golf at all. I've tried once when my wife was in college, she was, she's a PE teacher and it was the worst nine holes I've ever, it, probably anybody's ever seen. We had to let so many people go by us. Cause it was, it was, there was so much trash on the course that day. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> we lost all the balls and we're just awful, but, um, it's obviously a really tense sport and there's just like, you know, it's a quiet sport, but then it's, it's very, um, very intense, right. When the game's being played, is it considering what you do and what he does, is it difficult for you to watch him or like, do you go into like, do you go into like wife mode where it's like, you're super nervous or do you go into um, performance coach mode where you're just like, I wonder what's going on in his mind. Like, I have to know this. Oh yeah. So I, um, well, I always tell him I'm your wife first and your mental okay. coach. Second. <laughs> um, and there you go. the only time we ever talk mental game is like, especially when he's performing is when he chooses to bring it up because it's his game and you don't sure. want your wife sitting there telling you like breathe or like, <laughs> and I wouldn't do that anyway, but like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I yeah. would kill him if he did that to me when I was playing soccer, I'd be like, what the hell are you doing? Right. So for me, we have a deal that I am your wife first and your mental coach second, and you get to choose when I'm your mental coach. So if you have a question, I can dive in, but essentially he has full rights of refusal. If he's like, <laughs> I don't like what you're saying, but you got it like kind of thing. So we have yeah. a really good relationship in that way. Um, but in terms of watching sports, I love to watch sports from the mental perspective. And so yeah. in terms of, especially cause I know him so well in terms yeah. of body language, in terms of, um, you know, the way that he, from like the pace that he's walking to like the, like I can tell wow. how he's doing a lot really? of times. That's crazy. That, but he's made it harder over the years because <laughs> he works so much on his yeah. mental game yeah. that sometimes I can't tell, which is yeah. a good thing. Like, and he'll ask me like, Hey, how did I look there? I'm like, I'm like, you looked a little nervous. Um, you know, and he's just like, really like, tell me about that. So he's very inquisitive and very, uh, I mean, he's, he loves the mental game. He yeah. like reads all the same books that I read. Like we'll have great conversation about it. And he, he is just, he's really good, but I can, I can watch a game just as a wife, but I just, I don't watch any sports like that. I watch sports from sure. a mental perspective just because I'm interested Sure. I do get nervous, but I do this weird thing. I don't know if it's kind of like nerdy, but he and I both do it. Whenever I get nervous, whether I'm watching him or I'm watching like the world series on TV or I'm watching a UFC fight or we're in, we're watching a movie where it's tense and my heart rate starts racing. Yeah. I actually like do diaphragmatic breathing to like slow down my heart rate. And I use it as like a practice. So oh like, my like controlling my breathing <laughs> and one night we were watching a world series game and we both were doing it and neither of us knew it yeah. and we talked about it the next day and i was like he was like oh my god i did that too no <laughs> so way i kind of nerd out on that that's <laughs> that's awesome i uh okay I, I may have to get some tips from you on that because i get <laughs> i get really nervous during sports when i'm watching my teams play in fact when the giants won the world series in 2014 um one of the games it wasn't going well and i went like to back to my room and i switched out my t-shirt that i was wearing i'm just superstitious so um maybe the breathing thing would be better for me i may have to try that yeah i mean i for me it's just like if you want to control yourself start by controlling your breathing that's gonna so make sense me, that's like where i start is because in terms of being able to control your physiological si symptoms sure um it's kind of like a domino like when you control your breathing other things kind of fall into place so right. for me that's where i always start and here's the thing like he's even told me you know his his mom gets really nervous like when she watches yeah. him and she like freaks out and she's like i can't watch and <laughs> it like freaks him out so he's like yeah. mom like so for me i try and stay whether he's doing good, whether he's doing bad, I try and stay as cool as a cucumber. Just That's awesome. Yep. <laughs> so, so basically if you ever go to a golf event and you see like a huge group of people doing these breathing exercises, you know, it's the Johnson family. <laughs> it's like, that sounds yeah. familiar. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. So sorry. I just had to ask, I, I, let me ask you one more question, not to pry into your personal life, but uh, I'm about to ask the question anyways. <laughs> I, I just like, I was joking with my wife. I said, so, you know, obviously we had, we've had you on a few times and I said, I, I just wonder in their marriage, if it's like, like, if it feels like you have the upper hand or like when you, if you guys like argue or have a discussion about something, if it feels like you're being, if he's being analyzed. Oh, you know what I'm saying? Oh. Like, like from like a psychological perspective, cause that oh. would make me nervous. I wish I had that. So I could, you know, in conversations with my wife, I'd be like, I think I have the upper hand here. <laughs> No, but, uh, she's she's way smarter than I am, so I definitely don't have the upper hand on any of those conversations. But I, mean, that... I feel like you'd have to ask him. I mean, okay. I don't that's think a good so, 
because I don't podcast. actively analyze people like as I'm sure. talking to them, like, um, I guess maybe I notice patterns well. Okay. So if there's like patterns of behavior, like maybe I tune into that a little bit more than normal, but he's pretty dang good at this too, where he also notices patterns of behavior with uh, me. Okay. So, so there was a sparring like session. If I dish it, like I better be ready to take it. You know what I mean? Uh, okay. And so yeah. we do call each other out on behaviors and like we do sure. like hold each other accountable to certain behaviors. Cause like I have my, I'm like everybody else. I have my triggers that like things that like piss me off sure. and he has his things that like annoy the crap out of him. And so for us, we do hold each other accountable and like, Hey, I asked you like, you know, you did that again. And I hate when you do that. And I'm like, oh, you're right. You're right. No, you're totally right. You know? Yeah. And so we do that to each other, sure. but um, I don't know. You'd have to ask him if he feels like I analyze him when we talk. I don't think so. Dan, but, you know what? This is giving me like I'm just I'm thinking we should have had this episode like what two weeks ago, right before Valentine's Day with both of you guys. That would have been <laughs> awesome. I wasn't thinking a great idea came. Too late. The timing gonna, was off. Is it too early to book you guys for like right before next Valentine's Day? That'd be fantastic. <laughs> no, let's do it. Perfect. <laughs> okay. Anyways, I'm gonna get back to the the, the better questions here. So, um, so from your from your perspective, so I, I have two questions here. I'm just gonna throw both these out there. They're they're not really related, but. Um, you know, getting back to risk. So what was the feeling like when you, when you made the decision, you say, okay, when you, whatever the paperwork was that you had to sign or, you know, basically saying, okay, I'm at this point, I'm no longer with the Yankees organization. Like, what was that feeling like when you kind of took that first step? And it's like, oh, like I'm, I'm out here now. And then also what is, what are some factors that play into people's I guess, decision not to, or I guess to take a risk or not to take a risk. Like what are some like common things that make people think, you know, like, well, I guess, why is it so difficult for people to take risk? I'll start with that question. Uncertainty. Okay. Perfect. Oh, uncertainty. Okay. Uncertainty is, not, I mean, I think the, one of the biggest reasons why people don't take risks because it's risk in my opinion, at least per individual has a lot to do with the fact that it's something we haven't done yet. Mm. And so there's nothing really to compare it to. Like, we don't know what it's going gonna, it's gonna to look like on the other side. Like, I'm not sure. It, like, there's no guaranteed success. Mm -hmm. There's no guarantee you, you won't fail. And so I feel like uncertainty is a big reason, um, you know, why people don't take that risk. And then the second, I, my, my guess would be relationships. Like, not having the support to okay, a sure. relationship to be, whether it's family, whether it's friends, you know, you don't have that support. It can feel really defeating. Um, mm. but it's so important to know that like, Hey, this is like the journey you're on is yours. It's mm. nobody else's and it's okay. If other people don't get it, it's okay. If other people, um, object to it. Um, I'll tell you right now it's people don't object because they don't love you. It's because they do. And they're, it's their way to try to keep you safe because they're in their mind. That's a bad decision because they're afraid of, for your safety and yeah. whether it's like immediate safety, like actual safety or just like, you know, financial safety or, you know, stability or whatever that is. Right. Um, but it's oftentimes because they love you, not because they don't. Um, and so that was like, I think those are some of the biggest reasons why uncertainty happens. Um, how I felt when it was like official, like I told the Yankees and we were like, okay, um, two feelings nervous and excited. Okay. Yeah. And I will tell you that they're very, they're the same feeling. They're just two different <laughs> interpretations of it. Oh, that's and interesting. Bounce back between both of those. Yeah. Um, cause if you really think about like how you feel when you're nervous and how you feel when you're excited, physiologically, it's very similar. Sure. The only difference is the perspective we take. One has like a negative perspective many times and the other one has a positive perspective. Mm -hmm. And it's actually interesting because our brain chemistry changes based on our perspectives. Um, oh. One releases a stress hormone and the other one actually suppresses it. And so it's super interesting like how just a simple perspective change can actually change our physiological symptoms and how we respond. So I bounce back and forth between that quite often because my brain would go to like this idea of failure and I would feel nervous. <laughs> right. And then my brain would go to this idea of success or like all the possibilities and I would feel excited. So I think it was kind of like a ping pong match between these two feelings. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And now that I am kind of, uh, you know, officially like 
my contract is over and I am, uh, you know, on my own, I am really excited. It's kind of yeah. like, as soon as it happened, I was like kind of relieved of that, uh, of that nervousness. Yeah, no, I, I get that for sure on a much smaller, on a much smaller level. But like I said, we, we did start a, a new podcast and it's, it, you know, like at first it sounds like, like you said, there's that ping pong, right? Like at first, like, yeah, this would be awesome. We can, we can book a, a, a lot wider variety of guests because it's not sports specific and right. we have all these ideas. Oh, maybe we can do this and that. And then we're not, you know, restricted by certain things. And then you think, but yeah, but the other one goes, has gone pretty well. And I don't know if we really need to do this because <laughs> it's more, more time and energy and like. We could just continue to pour, you know, into the other one. And so it is a weird thing that like you do go back and forth. Like I said, at a much smaller scale, I'm not, I didn't leave the Yankees. They didn't, they didn't want me um, to play for them or to work for them. So um. <laughs> hey, they would be lucky to have you working for them. So trust me. Oh, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to clip that part right there. I don't even need to do the rest of the podcast. That was, that was the best thing. Like, I feel like, I don't even know what to say. That was the best thing I've ever heard. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play that for people like my boss, my wife, my family. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're, they're never gonna let me come on this podcast again. <laughs> Deb might not. You know I'm just gonna I'm gonna do it right now. Deb's wanted off this podcast for a long time. If you're ever interested, I will kick Deb off the podcast. Stop it. Yeah. <laughs> no way. Get out of here. <laughs> she would do this. She would do the same thing if she had the opportunity. Fact, I, I know for a fact that she would. <laughs> I miss her. Yeah. No. I know. I, I miss her too. So, yeah, yeah. No. It's um. I'm sorry. I got distracted. What was I saying? Oh no. But yeah, like it is really interesting that ping pong, you know, ping pong feeling going back and forth. And it's like, you do get, I mean, I've even, I don't know if you've experienced this, but like there's nights where I'll go to bed thinking like, why did I do this? Or why did I make this jump? And then the next morning it's like, you just feel like a new person. It's like, you just need a little bit of sleep. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, I can't wait to start this day and then pursue the thing that I, you know, was fearing last night. It's a really weird thing. (laughs) Well, and I think that's why a lot of people quit. Mm. is because they're they're expecting their feelings being like a trajectory that looks like it's just going up up and up and up but they don't realize that it is it's like the stock market if you look at the stock market it goes if you look at it from a wide angle you see a very clear trend um when you invest your money right it typically goes up over the years but if you zoom in to a month's time you're going to see these little ups and downs ups and downs and a lot of people quit on the downs. And I always right. say like, if you're investing your money, are you going to make any money if you pull out your money every time you, you face it down right. in the stock market? Right. <laughs> no, absolutely not. I'm like, exactly. And so right. it's the same way. It's like you are investing in your personal growth and development and it's an overtime kind of thing. So in entrepreneurship or any risk that you take, it's you're going to have those ups and downs. It's a normal part of the process. Yeah. I'm glad you said that because that reminded me of something I, I had a note about. So I think sometimes when we think of taking risk, we assume, like at least I do, and I, I don't know if there's other people that think the same, same thing, but you think, okay, taking a risk is like someone who's willing to go sky, skydiving or someone who's going to make on a whim, make a decision and just do it. But I feel like people who are the most successful risk takers are ones who almost prepare for the risk. And like you said, to your point, they're prepared for, okay, I know that at multiple points on this journey, there's going to be the, the dip or the, the valley, but I know that. So that's part of this risk-taking mentality, right? Like, you know, there's ups and downs that are going to come. You're cool with that though. And you're still going to jump, right? Like, it seems like that's the most successful type of risk taker understands that. And it's not just necessarily just on a whim. It's looking ahead and understanding that there's going to be a lot that goes into this and you're, you're there for all of it. Like you're ready to take it all on. Oh, you just hit on such an important piece. Um, Gabrielle Ottengen, she is, I think, I'm, I hope I'm saying that name right. Um, <laughs> she, um, she did research on this. And so she talks about, especially when it comes to goal setting. So whether you're goal setting, risk taking, whatever it is, is to not only look at the positive side, like what you want to have happen. Sure. But then to note what obstacles might you face? Mm-hmm. What things might get in the way of your progression? Because what we know is that anytime you know, our goals, our plans meet reality, that they're going to need some adjusting. And that's exactly kind of what she talks about is that the the better we plan for obstacles and we plan for the things that we know sometimes limits us from time to time, then the more likely we are to overcome them. And so for instance, like 
you know, if your plan is to eat healthier and like, you know, uh, you know, on usually on Fridays you go out to eat and you're, you're going to have to cut that out now Mm -hmm. that, okay, when Fridays come and your friends ask you to go to eat out to eat, what are you going to say? Or are you going to look at the menu ahead of time? Like, what is your plan? If, that is something that is typically a downfall for you. If you, if you typically like struggle there, like what are the things that are going to get in the way and then work through a plan? If this happens, then this is what I'm going to do. And they're called if then plans. And right. just by simply creating if then plans and writing them down, we are 300% more likely to actually follow through with them. So mm-hmm. even if, you know, you haven't planned or you haven't even, or you're like, oh yeah, I, I do that. Like try these if then plans and like write them down. You're going to just by simply doing that, which is, doesn't take a whole lot of effort. Um, you're increasing your chances of actually following through and pushing through that obstacle, which is often the thing that gets us to stop or gets us to pause or gets us right. to say like, ah, well, I guess it didn't work. Never mind. Yeah. And they, they move on. You know what I mean? Sure. That's interesting. And I, I bet that would be really valuable for, again, athletes and coaches right now, right? Like, especially because like, our, our main audience is the high school level. So, you know, we're, we're all hopeful that the, you know, like the let them play California campaign is, is successful and that they can get some kind of season in this year. But like you said, if it doesn't, then what are you going to do as an athlete? Like what's your, what's your preparation for hopefully next season? Or if you're, if you're a senior, like what is your next step? And I imagine that would be, that's, that's gotta be encouraging for them to hear right now, because you would think that somebody could take that and say, well, isn't that kind of negative thinking where it's like, well, if, if nothing goes my way, then what do I do? It feels like it's a, you have like a backup plan B because plan A is not even possible, but really it's just like, no, you're pl- you're still pursuing plan A, but you have to think about the possibility or the, the valleys and the dips the whole time. Um, Ignore that. Yeah. So I feel like that's gotta be really encouraging for some of the athletes and coaches that are listening. Um, I had a thought to you, something you said, you said, you've said a lot of good things and now I'm trying, I'm struggling to remember, uh, what I was going to say. Um, don't worry. There's a, there's a quick thought I wanted to yeah, like, please, please. help you remember, yeah. but it, one of the things that like, one of the things that we can do to, in, in uncertain times, like this is like kind of what I was saying earlier is that one of the ways that we can tame that uncertainty is through building up our competence, right? Building up our ability to respond, which is again, through planning. So if it's gonna happen, this is what I'm gonna do about it. The more competent we feel, the more uh, to handle whatever's thrown our way, the more confidence that we have, the less terrified we are of this uncertainty. And I actually had this talk with my mom the other day, because my mom was you know, a little, a little scared over this one specific circumstance with her friend. And I told her, I said, okay, so let's pretend like that happens. Now what? Yeah. And she was like, well, I guess I don't have control over it. I was like, you don't. So right. what are you going to do about it? If it happens, she's like, I guess just support her the best way I know how. It's like, great. And she goes, oh my God, all my stress just went away. And I was yeah. like, well, here's the thing. Like there's like worrying about something. Hey, trust me, we all worry. We're human. It's normal. Sure. But sure. if you can rein that in and go, okay, what part of it, what piece of this can I control? If that happened, what would I do about it? How would I respond to it? Right. And right. she was just like, oh, interesting. So it really helped her. And I actually had another example of this with an athlete um, today, actually. You know, yeah. she she was texting me and she was like, oh my gosh, I had all these horrible thoughts and I just had a horrible practice and I'm so frustrated, I'm horrible. And I called her and I was like, hey, what happened? And turns out her day was terrible. Yeah. And we have this thing called decision fatigue. So over time, like you only have so much, like if you think of like a fuel, you have so much fuel to make decisions in a day. And if you make a ton of decisions, Hmm. like we have this thing called decision fatigue, where we're so exhausted, where we end up falling back to our defaults. And so again, she's defaulting back to this horrible self-talk and all this. And I, and I, we talked about it and I just, she's like, well, just, does this like ruin everything? And I was like, remember I described to you the difference between average athletes and elite athletes. I was like, the difference is average athletes, their ups and downs look like this. There's a huge gap in between their successes and their failures. And elite athletes looks like this. They still mm-hmm. have successes and they still have failures. The difference is the amount of space in between their bounce back. Mm, so I good. said, I don't care that you had a bad practice. I said, what are you going to do about it tomorrow? Yeah. She was like, I was like, I care more about your response than I care about that that happened. And yeah, she, that's good. It's oh a good point. So that's kind of where I think about it is like grooming our response to uncertainty. Yeah. And yeah. I think that, Hey, it's going to happen. Yeah, no, that's, that's so good. And it's so simple. You know what I mean? 
it's such a simple thing. And, and you would think like if, if there, someone's coming to you and saying like, I had like all this stuff, crazy stuff happening, like how do I handle it? They're probably expecting some like crazy answer. <laughs> it's like, well, you do this breathing technique or you, you know, do this or do that. But it's really, it's just like, Hey, just calm down. How do you respond? And that's it. You know what I mean? Like that's such a, it's such a, you would think it's so much more complicated, right? But it, it really is a very simple thought. Well, cause it's, it's really just, how can we adapt? Yeah. And I always think about how can we adapt at our highest level, our highest level of performance as quickly as possible. Right. And spending time on why I thought these thoughts, why this happened and all of that can be, can be exhausting. Now, is there time to do that? Sure. There might be a time to do that. I didn't see it in this case. I'm just like, this is not common. You're exhausted. You had a horrible day and you went and you had a crappy practice. That's going to happen. So let it go and let's regroup tomorrow. And I mean, it was kind of like, I almost gave her permission to move on. And she wasn't, she wasn't ready to move on because she didn't, she didn't feel she met her standards. Yeah. And it's like, she wasn't giving herself that permission. And sometimes you just need permission to give yourself permission to move on. That's good. That's really good. And I just want to say that I did what you said reminded me of what I was going to ask you. So this is why she's good people. This is why she's good at what she does. (laughs) So um, perfection. I I feel like people who are perfectionists have to struggle with risk-taking, right? Because as you mentioned, you're looking at, like if you're looking ahead and you're, you're looking, okay, like, like your example of the restaurant, right? Looking at the menu or having an answer for when your friends invite you out, someone who's a perfectionist may think, well, if, if we don't go to this specific restaurant or if we don't go to, if the situation is not perfect, then I, I, I just can't do it. And they're not, they're so focused on the perfection, perfectionist part of it that they're not willing to look at how they can maybe be more flexible in their response, if that makes sense. So I feel like perfectionism could also be a hindrance when it comes to someone's ability to take risks. It's like, if, if I can't look ahead and see a perfect ending to this, then I can't take the risk because, or a perfect path to it, then there's no way I can do it because it's just too much for me to handle. Yeah. Um, I have a couple of thoughts on perfectionism. Oh, good. Our, I mean, I think some of the most elite individuals on the planet struggle with it. Sure. Um, and it's kind of one of those double-edged swords where it's partially what makes them as good as what they, as good as they are, yeah. uh, but it can be a detriment. Sure. And um, like you're saying, a lot of times what ends up happening is we identify so closely with our result. It's yeah. we see, they see things through an all or nothing lens. I either am a success or I'm a failure. Right. And so what it causes, like you said, is um, um, they become a little bit risk averse because yeah. they're kind of, they're more likely to do and go all in all the things that they know they know how to do. And they're less likely to go in, all in on the things that are, uncertain or what ends up happening if they go, if they decide to try on the things that are uncertain, they tend to play it safe and they fall short hmm. because they're, they're careful to protect what they have and they yeah. overanalyze because they just want to be perfect versus just letting like trusting yourself and just doing what you do best. So that's kind of how it manifests sometimes in performance. Right. And um, another thing with perfectionism, it's an interesting way to thinking, to think about it, but I do think that, it has a lot to do with perfectionists is I actually think that they struggle more with being perfect than they do with being imperfect. And so oh, they struggle more with success than they do failure. Because I hmm. think what happens is when you finally are successful, what you realize is like in failure, you're okay that failure is temporary. But when you realize your results, when your identity is based on results, it will always, your, your identity and who you are, it will always be temporary. And so I think that it's okay when it's failure, right? Because you're like, I want this to be temporary. Like I want this to go on, but I think it's a struggle when your identity and who you are and your worth is linked to that success. What you realize is if your worth is linked to success, it'll always be temporary because success doesn't last. And so that's where I think like the, the perfectionists, like they, they run into a lot of conflict is they're like, well, then who am I, if I did succeed? And we see that right with some athletes. They're like, I thought this would make me happy. And it didn't like, why am I like, I have, I mean, even you look at uh, athletes like Michael Phelps who struggled with really deep depression. And he talks about this and he's like, you know, I am one of the, like, I am the most decorated Olympian and I still wasn't happy. And I thought that would make me happy. 
And so I think that's one of the areas that they really struggle with is, is this identity thing. And so, you know, when I talk to people that are perfectionists, I, it's, I mean, and I, I should say that I am also one myself sometimes. Um, so I, den- I definitely identify with it too, is to put the success of your process over the success of your outcomes because our outcomes aren't always within our control, but your process is, it's repeatable. And so if you, if you master these things, then the results typically take care of themselves. But even if you don't hit the mark, even if you don't win, will you be disappointed? Sure. I'm not saying any competitor would be like stoked about that, but they can always go back and say, I did everything that I could. I went all in and there's something to say for that. And there's something really um, fulfilling about that. Wow. Yeah, that was really good. Sometimes I struggle with uh, when like there's really good points we make made. I'm like, oh, that's good. Or I say those little things. I'm like, I got to shut up because I've ruined so many sound bites by, uh, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So I'm like, I just got to like, but the whole time I'm thinking, wow, that's like, that's, that's really good because it's, um, yeah, I mean, we could probably, we could probably just end the podcast right there. I mean, that's, there's not much to say. Um, let me ask you, let me ask you one more thing. So no, actually two more things. I apologize. Two more things. How is the mountain bike going? Is that still going? Or is it- it's still going. I'm, okay. I'm going to be totally honest with you though. I haven't biked in a while. Got it. The okay. last of several times they've gone, I haven't been able to go. So I have not gone. Although I will have, you know, that my, my, uh, the, the owner of our gym, he was like, Oh, by the way, we're going on this for, it's called the forest hill loop. Um, you know, this oh. Sunday after yeah. our horrible workout, he put me through and I was like, <laughs> and it, by the way, forest hill loop is, is the hardest bike ride I've ever done. So I was like, now's not the time to ask me if I want to do that. Like <laughs> now it's a definite no. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> but yeah, so, um, so we're still, we're still riding, but ha- it's, it's, it's not a whole lot to report back. Okay, cool. I wasn't sure. Cause if you think about it, you were on the podcast not too long ago. Like I was looking, I was looking back. I'm like, um, we're already bugging her again. (laughs) Oh my God. No, I love it. We're like the annoying, like cousin that's always trying to hang out. It's like, Hey, Hey Lauren, how's it going? You want to talk? (laughs) Like, yes, please. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, so, okay, cool. So we had to check in, we wanted to check in on, on how that journey for mountain biking was going, but, um, okay. So now like where are you, where are you at now? Like how does, how are things, obviously you're not working with the Yankees, but what does, like, what services are you offering? Um, what kind of things are you doing? What kind of things are you hoping to do? Like, just, I would love to know where you're at right now and, and what that looks like. Yeah. So right now I'm doing a lot of work with, uh, with businesses and corporations and I'm, and I'm essentially, I'm, I'm the mental performance coach for these corporations and organizations where I come in and I not only work with our, their executive teams and I kind of coach the coach, like I want to teach them so they can continue to the work with, uh, with people underneath them and their teams. And then I also go in and I, I coach their teams on how to, how to use mental performance principles and what they do, because the principles really don't change. It's the language that changes. Sure. And so you just have to adapt some of these principles to there. Um, and so that's what I'm doing right now is I'm working with, you know, big corporate teams, you know, whether it's in, in business or in sports, I am still doing both. Um, but I, I have been spending a lot of my time in uh, these bigger corporations and it's been so much fun. Um, it's a little different arena, but I just call them corporate athletes because to me, that's kind of what they are. They are, they're, they're still performing. And so right. these performance psychology principles still all apply. So it's been, it's been a lot of fun, but that's what I'm doing right now. Um, I am working on a couple courses, online courses and masterminds. So stay tuned for those. There's been a couple that have been requested. So I'm working on some of those one for potential grad students or people interested in getting in the field and then some others for, um, for really anybody that wants to learn more about the mental side. Um, and then I also am starting a newsletter oh, where nice. you will get my weekly midweek mindset video sent directly to your inbox plus a little bit extra. So, oh. uh, so yeah, that's, that's what I, that's what I'm doing. Uh, currently lots of speaking engagements and group stuff and stuff with teams cool. and, of all kinds. That's awesome. Did, when you, when you uh, kind of announced that you were leaving the Yankees, did you feel like a free agent? Like did all of these, like, cause I mean, obviously you were doing stuff outside of the Yankees. Right. But yeah. like now I think people are assuming, okay, now she's doing this full time and she, we can like, like go get her for our, our corporate thing. Was like, did that what it feel like? Did you have like, have this like rush of people come after you? 
Um, I did, I did have quite a few, which I was super thankful for. I mean, it was a a much bigger response than I was expecting. Um, Mm -hmm. But I am also, I was also super lucky to have some, um, some clients that I've been working with, you know, now for a while, um, kind of already established that they're taking, you know, thankfully several repeat clients. So that's good news, right? Um, So I've been working with a lot of them too. So it's been, it's been just really, really reaffirming and really, uh, I don't know, so, I mean, it's all good to get that kind of support. Oh, yeah. Well, I was going to say, as, as difficult as it is to make that jump initially, like once you once you receive, like if you're, you know, if you're doing something where you get paid, you know, to speak or to perform, like if you're a musician, that first time you take that step and you actually get paid to do the thing you love you love to do, it's got to be the best feeling in the world. Because like you said, it is affirming that it's okay. I'm, I'm moving in the right direction for sure. Yeah, it's addicting because it's, and two, it's, I mean, I just, I can preach this till, you know, the end of the end of time, but when you love what you do, it's, I mean, I, I love every morning I wake up super early, whether it's like, it's either between, it's between five and six every single morning. And I have, I start my day, you know, reading about this stuff. I know a lot of people are like, well, what do you read for fun? I have a couple fun reads but they're like interior design stuff. Like I love interior. Okay. Yeah. And like Jake, yeah. one morning, I'll tell you this really quick. He like leans over. Yeah. He's like, what are you reading? I'm like, I'm reading about all the different shades of white. <laughs> he was like, what? <laughs> like Lauren, they're all the same color. I'm like, no, they're not. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so anyway, any, any interior designers out there, they get me. Um, Wait, so is your, is your guys' place just like spotless? Uh, no, I wouldn't say spotless, but I love interior design. So I'm okay. constantly upgrading and changing. And okay. he's just yeah. like, really like we're going to like our contractor. He literally told me, he's like, you're never going to leave until like our, until our house is a hundred percent different. Like she's going to keep bringing you back. <laughs> and so, That's yeah, awesome. which in our house, like it needed some upgrades, but anyway, go. side note, uh, yeah. I, I do love what I do to the point where pretty much the only things I read have to do with mental performance or they relate in some sure. way. Sure. Um, and that's fun for me. That, those are my fun reads. So yeah, yeah. To me, like, I just think when you love what you do, it's like, to me, I love waking up and working and doing the work that I do every single day. Yeah. Well, I think that's, I mean, we've talked about it on our, on our other podcast. That's a key part of passion, right? Like the passion that you have, what you do. Cause it's like, we were talking to someone about, um, like being obsessed about what you're passionate about. Like, if you're not obsessed, like, like a good friend of mine, he's a motivational speaker. And we were just talking about this yesterday. He's like, I'm obsessed with how you can control the crowd, how you, um, raise your voice sometimes and then lower your voice sometimes. Like I'm obsessed with how you scan the room. He's like, I'm obsessed with how you book these speaking engagements. He's like, I'm obsessed with every single part of this process. And I think if you want to be successful and like you said, if you're truly passionate about it, it's not like you need to get away from it. Right. It's like, Oh, I need a break from the mental conditioning. I, I can't read anymore about it. It's like, no, no, no give me, give me more. I'll take all the books about this topic that I can, cause I just love it that much. And so that's why you guys are good at what you do for sure. Oh, well, thank you. Well, I, yeah, I, I'm pretty lucky I, to just absolutely love, love what I do. So yeah, it's all the time. And Jake's like, Lauren, it's like, he'll, he'll come in my office. Like, Hey, can you come to bed? Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah <it's kind> of <laughs> Every once in a while I will, I'll do that. But the cool thing again, is I have a husband that like, he's never like Lauren you're working too much he's like hey why don't you take a break for you it's always about like you know trying to find balance in my own life not the fact that you know you're never spending time with me he's just like the most supportive husband in terms of hey I totally respect that this makes you happy that's awesome and I I have to say I am in the same same boat for sure there's been times where my wife will uh come in the office and she's like you're doing podcast stuff I said yeah she's like well I'll see you tomorrow morning (laughs) Like, yeah, I'll see you tomorrow morning. So, <laughs> Good wife so right there. absolutely. Oh, speaking of her, she was so this was like a, a, a message uh, question I had for you a little while ago, but she was so thankful uh, when she found out that those weren't homemade cinnamon rolls that you post all the time. Oh, <laughs> she was, <laughs> she's like, oh, Trader Joe's. It's like, oh, we're going to stop there for sure. Like, OK, oh, I guess so. Yeah. Hasn't happened. I'm not, I'm not going to lie. It hasn't happened yet. And she's not thrilled about that. So, um, you know. The fact that I'm talking to you tonight, she's like, oh yeah, by the way, did you pick up the cinnamon rolls? Not yet, but I will. Yeah, you, yeah. you need to. The Trader Joe's cinnamon rolls are my absolute favorite. And I will tell you uh, like something to know about me. I've never made homemade cinnamon rolls and okay. it's really not on my docket either. I don't really enjoy cooking very much. So if you uh, okay. say anything like that, like 
maybe like once every six months, you know, I'll, I'll pull it out and I'll do something like, from okay. but yeah, outside of that, I don't enjoy it. My husband loves cooking. Thank God. See, I'm with, I'm with him. Yeah. I, and yeah. <laughs> you know, bag salad every night. So sure. <laughs> no, I'm with him. I, I love cooking. I don't like baking though. So the idea of like the cinnamon rolls, you know, I, I, that seems horrible to try to bake one of those things. We typically, we don't, I'm not going to reveal where we live, but we typically go up to uh, Folsom, the BJ cinnamon. Mm-hmm. We love those cinnamon rolls. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I haven't had those yet. I'll oh, they're try. delicious. It, it, yeah. They're delicious. I don't know how they compare against Trader Joe's, but we'll talk later. We'll see. We'll yeah. both try the opposite one and <laughs> no, we'll see how they compare. All of this, our cinnamon roll talk. Yeah. Yeah. People have checked out at this point. So. <laughs> So anyways, well, Lauren, thank you so much. Like I said um, to everybody, this was a kind of an emergency last minute thing. So I definitely appreciate you taking some time to co-host with me. And um, it was a lot of fun. Hopefully we can have you on our, our podcast down the road. We'll wait a little bit before we reach out to you again. So <laughs> hey, um, anytime you need me, I'm here. I wish you wouldn't have said that because we'll take you up on that for sure. So. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much. Oh, where can they follow you? Oh, they can. Uh, actually, the easiest place to go is probably my website at laurenjohnsonandco.com. All my social media handles are on there and there you can sign up for my newsletter. Perfect. Do it. Just don't just take the risk. Full circle. <laughs> yeah, take the risk <laughs> and, and sign up for that email. She won't bombard you with with. That. I won't. I so, promise you. Yeah. I hate people that are like, hey, sign up for this and you get a bajillion other things. You will only get what you sign up for. Just a PSA. That's good. Yeah, that's a good point. I know we're trying to wrap this up. I'm sorry. But how many... <laughs> This is what happens. So how many times have you signed up? Like you, you order something online and there's that thing at the bottom that says, would you like to sign up for newsletters, emails, all that stuff? And you click, I double check. I say, no, I do not want this crap in my inbox. It doesn't matter because you're going to get it anyways. It's the worst. It makes, it makes me so upset. It makes me upset too, which is why I will not do that to people. Boom. If you there do not sign up for any, for my news, if you don't sign up for anything else but my newsletter, like you're going to get my newsletter. You're not going to get anything else. And if, and if you, if I want to send you something else, I'm going to ask first, Hey, are you also interested in this? And if you say, no, you're not going to get that. You're only going to get what you signed up for. So yeah, it's also a pet peeve of mine. There we go. Yep. So you guys are all safe. Just sign up for her email. It will be a good thing. You're safe. <laughs> yeah, you're safe. <laughs> so uh, you guys can follow us at Instagram at character combine, Twitter at sports character, Facebook at character combine. Uh, and then also check out some of our YouTube videos. We haven't posted anything there for a while, but you can always go back if you're looking for some motivation from some of our uh, previous events. Uh, we had speakers such as David Goggins, Inky Johnson, Eric Thomas, Kevin Bracey, a lot of, a lot of great information there. So um, that's it. That's all we've got. So Lauren, well, once again, thank you so much and uh, good luck with everything. We're, we're looking forward to following your journey for sure. Thank you. I appreciate it. It was so much fun. Absolutely.